In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. We got somebody for you. You must be staying. How you doing? Why'd they bring you in here? Well, I just got in. I asked where the new guys were, and they brought me right in. Hey, sleeping, huh? Cute little guy. You know, maybe I just start with you. I'll let him sleep a little bit. Look, I don't want to do this. Hey, I don't blame you. If I was in your situation, I'd want to get through this whole thing as quickly and with as little pain as possible. So, you know, let's try our best to make it a simple in and out procedure. What's the matter? Relax, relax, relax. You know, maybe we should spend a couple of minutes together. You know, to get acquainted before we, uh, you know, before we get to it. What's wrong with you? I don't want to do this. But I understand, but, you know, what are your alternatives? My alternatives? Yeah. To what, to you? I don't know. Suicide? Death? This is Mitchell Whitfield, and you're listening to Monday Morning Critic. Nailed it. Uh, so I'm talking to a guy born in Brooklyn. Right. Um, <laughs> yes. Who went to the infamous Fame High School of Performing Arts? Is, is that correct? It is absolutely correct, and I'm I'm glad that you said that. That is like uh, one of those things that you know I don't talk about that often, yeah. but I look back at my days. First of all, the school's no longer there. It, it morphed into LaGuardia High School of the Arts, which is sort of uh, a combination of our old school, High School of Performing Arts, yeah, and the High School of Music and Art. Those yeah. two schools combined to form LaGuardia, which is now located, I think, in Lincoln Center in Manhattan. So gotcha. when people say, oh, I go to that school, I'm like, well, no, you don't. <laughs> Technically, you go to LaGuardia. I get, I get very snobby. I get very proprietary about it. You know, well, my school is no longer there. Yeah. Uh, so, And I'm still in touch with so many of the people from my class. There are actually a lot of working actors um, from my class, you know, so it's really cool. And it's yeah. it's kind of a neat thing to look back on all these years later, you know. Yeah, and and I'm I'm old enough to remember where that that show or that movie was something, you know, and, and people that stem from that program, and like it's just, uh, it's a very important piece, I think, of 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 um, nostalgia. I, I think you could say. I you agree, know? and actually, yeah. I was I was in the school when they were filming the movie. Yeah, so I was actually yeah. going there while they were filming, and I remember they offered me like a small part, which was like more like glorified background work, but it was an actual part in the movie, and I was like. No, I think I want to go to camp instead. I was still like, you know, 14 years old. I was a freshman, I think, at the time. And uh, thank God I ended up doing movies and being on television because if I had not taken that path and yeah. I had an opportunity to be in a movie and I said, no, I'd rather go to camp this year, I would look back and go, you idiot, young Whitfield, you should have been in that movie. So it's, you know, everything worked out for the better. That's great. That's great. And, and also, I have to bring this up. You, you spent three, over three and a half years at Colgate? I did. 
I did. I um, see after. So after going to the high school performing arts, which, you know, as the name implies and as the movie and the TV show imply as well, it was a school dedicated to young people who wanted to be either actors, dancers or musicians. Right. And I was in the acting program. Right. The downside of it was it wasn't really a downside. It was just that after four years of going to a specialized school like that, where it was acting class every day, five days a week, I wanted my college experience to be different. I didn't want mm. to go to, you know, Juilliard or Purchase, where a lot of my friends and classmates ended up going to continue their training. I was like, you know what? I've done this for four years. I want to have a different experience. I want to go to I want to go to an academic school. I want to play hockey, and that's what I did. Yeah. So I went to Colgate. Um, I was on like a like a three quarter scholarship there. I ended up playing some sports, not on scholarship. I wasn't that good, um, and going the academic route. And then after my freshman year, I started missing. Act, uh, strangely enough, I missed having acting in my life every day. Right. So I started flying back between Hamilton, New York, which is near Syracuse. People yep. that don't know the central New York area. And I started flying back between Colgate and New York and auditioning. And then by the end of, I think, my my junior year, I was working a decent amount. And they said, look, Colgate said, look, you're not doing well here. Yeah. Take a semester <laughs> off, decide where you get your grades up, decide what you want to do, and then come back. So I did, took a semester off. I went to Hunter College in New York, great yeah. city university in New great York. Great school, great school. Lo- great school. My brother graduated from there. and um, Great criminal I, justice school. You know what? They have. They really have some great departments there, don't they? they? Do. It's crazy. They do. It's a great People school. People don't realize what a great city school system New York actually has. That's, yep. a, whole other, that's a whole other interview. Yeah. Um, and I, I got like a 4.0 for the semester. It was great. Wow. And then I was about to go back to Colgate. And I was offered one of the touring companies of Brighton Beach Memoirs, which which was a Broadway show at the time, very famous Neil Simon play. Yeah. And I was like, and that's that was sort of like the choice. That was the, where the two paths sort of diverge a little bit. Right. And I thought to myself, well, you know, the school school will be there when I want it, if I want to go back, but these yeah. opportunities don't come around that often. That's right. That's right. And so I decided to take that road and go off and do the, you know, the road company of Brighton Beach. And it was amazing. To this day, I still haven't finished that last semester and a half. And it kills me because I'm such a completionist. Yeah. And as a dad, especially, yeah, you know, yeah. you want to set an example and say, you know, kids, make sure you stay in school. I'm like, <laughs> but dad, you had a great, it's like, don't say what I don't do what I do. You know, do what I yeah. say, not what I do. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you know, and I was thinking about you today because there was a show a while ago. Uh, Tommy Lee did, a, I think, a semester at N- University of Nebraska. And I was thinking, okay. what a great um, uh, a show that would be um, uh, where you went back and finished that last semester. You know, they, they filmed you and it, it, it would be such a funny thing. But, you know, you made the wise it, choice. Yeah, I think I did. But, you know. I didn't quite reach the level of getting an honorary degree. Not that that would have been enough for me because I would yeah. have said, I didn't earn this, but thank you. I'll yeah. take it. Yeah. yeah uh, but yeah. I still think, and listen, there are a lot of great schools in California as well and stuff that I could do remote now as well. I think I probably will end up getting my regree- degree remotely, um, which has become the thing now since COVID, you know, remote learning is even bigger than it was to begin with. So I'll end up getting my degree. I have too much of that. Like I said, the completionist in me to not say I did it. I did it. And I want a graduation cake. So, see, see know. Mitchell, I wonder if they could. I was thinking about this today too when I when I was running. I was like, you know what? Maybe they could they could combine you finishing your degree with you teaching a class on one of the various things you're really good at, like uh, almost like a a mesh, a potpourri of sorts, right? I, I like that. I like that. Either yeah. that or factor in some of the life experience some of the actual work and put that's that right. in as part of it too. So, you know, between the two of us, we'll find a way to get my degree. One, <laughs> my, you know, my name, my name better be on it. <laughs> like, Mitchell be and Derek, Derek and Mitchell. Yeah, I was going to say the two of us graduate together, which would be funny and sad, but it yeah, would be great. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so this is going to sound so cheesy, but any homesickness 
going from East Coast to West Coast? Did, Absolutely. Did, did you, yeah. No, it's it's an absolute reality. And yeah. the, the funny thing is, Derek, I think I've felt it more in the last few years than I did the first 30 years that I was here. Because I think wow. it was, I think once I passed, because I'm 58, I'd rather have my age out there and have people think I look okay rather than I look terrible for a 40-year-old. So yeah, I'm 58. And I think when I hit the halfway point, I moved out here when I was 25. So when I, I think when I hit around 50, not so much about that birthday itself, although, you know, it's, yeah. it's a nice birthday as we all yeah. know. Um, it was that now I had been in California as long as I had been in New York. And I think that was more difficult for me to wrap my head around than the age, which I don't really care about or anything else. It was weird. I've always thought of myself as a New York kid, yeah. born in Brooklyn, grew yep. up in Manhattan. Yep. So that that's how I identified myself for so long. But after being here for this long, I was like, wow, I guess I'm more of a California. That doesn't make sense. And I don't think I'd live in the city anymore if I went back. I go back a lot because I still have my dad and my two brothers still live there. Right. So I still have family there. I still have attachments there, some real visceral attachments. But I think it gets me now as I'm getting older, because as much as I appreciate having been here, I mean, I'm, I married the love of my life here and my mm. kids are California kids. So I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world, but I never felt bound to or bonded with the state or the city itself. I, I always felt kind of, kind of like a New York guy that was here and enjoyed right. being here and appreciated all the things California can offer, which it does offers a yeah. lot of wonderful things, but I still always felt like a New York guy. Whenever I go back, not that I, again, I'm, I'm always happy to come home, but a part of me is like, oh, I feel something in the city. It's, you know, it still doesn't feel the same as when I lived here. But when I go back to LA, I feel like there's something in the East Coast that I still haven't finished. Like, I'm not school. We already right. talked about that. But no, I get just, it. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's having a place to go back to, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But I, yeah, I still feel that little homesick every once in a while. Absolutely. And one thing's for sure. One thing the West Coast will never be able to touch the East Coast, especially New York on is the pizza. Don't say pizza. What are you going to yeah. say? I was going to say, I said pizza, you beat me to it. Is that you're going to say? I said, I said, I don't think the West Coast can touch the East Coast when it comes to pizza. Am I wrong? Oh, the West Coast pizza? It, it, it's, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. That's what it's, it's yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not terrible. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to get a, like angry comments from Californians that love the pizza out here. It's not terrible. And I stopped being a food snob a long time ago because I used to joke when I came out here that all the, all the food places close. You know, restaurants close early. In New York, if you get hungry for at three in the morning, yeah. Ethiopian, Brazilian, uh, Thai, it doesn't matter. There's anything that you want here. Everything shuts down around, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock. Yeah. Uh, but pizza, I still, there's one pizzeria out here. The pizza is Benello's in Torrance, California. Yeah. Benello's Pizza, I'm giving them some love. Yeah. They're from, they're from New York. I don't know if they bring the water out here too, which makes that great crust. Yeah. yeah. It's the closest right. thing I've had to New York pizza since I've lived out here. Otherwise... When we went back east, I said to my wife, point to any place you want in New York, any pizzeria. You point, close your eyes, we'll go there. It'll be better than anything you've had in California. That's and we really did that, and, and I won. And to this day, she's like, you're right, any New York pizza? And when we go back <laughs> to New York, we have pizza for three out of the five. Whatever we do, we're always having pizza. So, yeah, yeah, can't compare. So I brought this up in another interview I did, and, and the guest had a really funny uh, um, response. But I have to say, and I don't, I, go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't like picking pizza fights, but... I think pineapple on pizza is a very... It's a sin. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's a sin. Uh, not quite as egregious as 
ketchup on a hot dog, but really close. <laughs> and I get into this argument. Oh, Derek, you made my day. Yeah. If, if nothing else happens in this interview, you've made me a very happy man. <laughs> and I know there are people that love Hawaiian pizza. Love Oof. it. Oof. I know people and I look at them while they're eating it. And I'm just like, shame, yeah. shame on you. Yeah. The New Yorker in me is cringing right now and slowly dying inside. Yeah. And even my little brother, who's a born and raised New Yorker, has ketchup on a hot dog, which kills me. But yes, <laughs> pineapple has no place on a pizza in this New York man's heart. So yes, oh, I Mitchie, totally agree you, with you. Oh, you're so, it's it's like putting peanut, it's like putting peanut butter on a hamburger. You know, no thanks. Let's who does that? Uh, there's, I mean, I'm not saying. I'm just saying it's that egregious. It's that. It's you know that what? Insane. I would try that before I had pineapple on no, a pizza. Totally. I tried pineapple on a pizza just to say that I did it, and it was not fun. <laughs> And I don't regret it because now I can, you know, we teach our kids, don't say you don't like it unless you've tried it. Well, there we go. I've tried so, it. Don't and like I'm going to tell you, we're going to get to your appearance in Rhode Island, but um, Rhode Island has some decent pizza places too. I want to tell you that. I've heard about that. And listen, yes. I mean, listen, it's, it's East Coast. East Coast yeah. has great water. East Coast. I, I think I've been to uh, some places in Boston, some places in Connecticut that had good pizza. Um, so I, I'm assuming that Rhode Island is going to have some great pizza. I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah. I will oh, find a pizzeria while I'm in Rhode Island, and I will partake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard you talk. Getting, I see, I see. I, I took you off track, and I'm sorry for that. Oh, it's I, okay. I, um, so, so you've talked many times about Neil Simon. You've talked about a lot of you know the people that have influenced you that you've you know kind of worked as far as their their work. Um, is there a movie or an actor, Mitchell, that that really inspired you? Really, just got. Like just fuels you, and I ask this of all my my actor guests. Like I I feel like wow. it's an important question, wow. and there's probably um, a but there's probably it's such an unfair question because if somebody asked me that, I would talk for two hours explaining myself. I, you know, uh, I'm probably going to go a little older school. Um, there are some amazing current day actors that blow my mind, but whenever people ask me, I go back to Robert Duvall, I go back to Dustin Hoffman, Gene Hackman, um, Anthony Hopkins. And my metric for a wonderful actor is whatever role they are playing, it doesn't matter. Whatever role they are playing, you believe them. Yes. You just yeah. believe they are that person. Yeah. Um, the characters that those actors create just um, so natural. There's such an ease about their performances. There's no, yeah. there's no visible work being done other than they are that character. And the, the amount of talent and the amount of work it takes to make it look like it's easy is I think that the thing that people probably don't get the most when they when it comes to watching uh, an incredibly skilled actor do their thing. Um, I remember years ago, and this is like, I'm not, believe me, I'm not putting myself in their category at all. Mm. Years ago, I did My Cousin Vinny. Um, mm. I was in My Cousin Vinny, Ralph Macchio, who will also be in Rhode Island. Looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing Ralph there. Mm -hmm. um, and my brother, who at the time, let's see, I was 25. So he must have been, this is my middle brother. He must have been 11. Maybe I was 26 mm -hmm. and he was 12. That would make more sense. He's probably 12. And he's like, uh, I, I saw the movie, you know, and, and he, I, he's on the phone. Yeah. It's like, you know, it was no big deal. It was just, it was like, that's, that's my brother just being himself. I don't see what the big deal is. Wow. So it's like, oh, so you thought I was natural just being myself. I said, that's good. Yeah. It's actually in your horrible backhanded compliment, a bit of a compliment. Yeah. So if, if you can come off as if you are just acting and behaving naturally in any role that you play, that that's a win. But those guys that I mentioned, and I saw Anthony Hopkins, I was when I was actually shooting my cousin Vinny in Georgia. Yeah. He was what what was he shooting? Uh oh, was it Jumping Jack Flash? I, I don't remember what he was moving, what what movie he was shooting with Emilio Estevez, and I have to look it up. But he was staying in the same hotel that I was staying in, and I had just seen 
Silence of the Lambs on opening day. I had a day off from shooting the movie. I went and saw Silence of the Lambs, go to the restaurant in my hotel with our director and producer. And there's Anthony Hopkins sitting by himself at a table. And I was so horrified after seeing that movie. The director's like, go talk to him. You're an actor, you know, co-starring in a movie here. You're a fellow actor. Go say hello. I was like, I, I can't. I, I, I can't. After seeing him as that character, I couldn't go over to him. Mitchell, that's, a- that's, that's worse than passing on fame and going to camp. Not going over to anything strange. It is. It is. That is you know, worse. Oh I my know. gosh. Yeah. No. Oh. I. I it, yeah. I did not go over and say hello. I really should have. Yeah. But um, he's it's such a, an amazing actor. And yeah. So again, yeah. those are the, those are the, probably my go to guys. Um, there are amazing, you know, current day actors, but those are the ones that j- just stick out to me always. That's a great answer. You know, and, and I was listening to your your in an interview you did today, and I was listening to not I was listening to what you were saying, but then I kind of got to the point where I was listening because I know you did a lot of vo- you do a lot of voiceover work. Yeah. And I was listening to your voice, not necessarily the, the context of what you're saying, but just the sound of your voice. <laughs> and this is going to sound so weird, but you have a very like young sounding voice. It's it's it, it, the range is like it's it, it's a huge. I don't know how else to phrase it. I'm like this is no, a stupid I, way to phrase it. I appreciate that. Well, you know, the voice doesn't age like the body does. Thank God, because yeah. I'm still playing young characters. I still yeah. play even an anima- animation. Come on, guys, let's go. You know, those young. See, that sounds young. That's a young sounding. I, and then you look at me, you're like, holy crap, that teenager no, looks awful. Stop. No, but it's true. But here's yeah. here's the weird thing about this, Derek. Okay. And this is what's sort of happening with the voice industry, which is sort of, it's a good thing for us to talk about as well. So the one thing that's always been wonderful about the voice industry is its anonymity. Um, if you can sound like a character, you can be that character. And it doesn't matter age, gender, race, doesn't, none of these things really matter. If you can sound the part, you can be the part. And in that way, I've always felt there was a a general uh, inclusiveness to the, to that part of the business. I know it has its issues and those are being worked on, I hope, and will continue to get better. But that's the one thing that I've always loved. But what happened as animation and as voice work became more popular and more lucrative a lot of celebrities started getting into the business as well, which is wonderful. I don't begrudge anyone getting into it, but they started doing more stunt casting, more celebrity casting. And with that, they started paying more attention when you auditioned for a voice job, they started wanting to see you in person for the audition. Now, the way it used to be, that's why we talked about my setup before we started doing this. Yeah, you know, yeah. I have a whole setup here, a whole home studio where I record stuff and it's great. I record an audition, send it off. They like it. You get the job. That's the way it used to be. Now, if they like you, they want you to come back in person and read for them in person. Now, that's wonderful. I my agent would say to me, isn't it great? You're like close to getting the job, isn't that? I was like, no, it's really not so great because the step in, the second I step in that door, the illusion of me sounding like that person that they were visualizing is broken. The illusion has yeah. gone. Yeah. Now they see this, not that this is horrible, but this is probably older than the voice they're hearing. Right. This is probably right. a different look than they imagined when they heard the voice. Right. So now all of a sudden they're like, mm, you know, suddenly now you don't sound like that guy. And it's not the sound. It's the visual attached to the sound. I remember when I first came out here when I was 25 and I did a lot of the, hey, come on, dude, let's go. Rah, righteous, <laughs> dude. Come on, man. Totally gnarly. So I played yeah. a lot of those, you know, I played a lot of those kind of characters, right? A lot of surfer dudes. And I remember I'd come to the, I'd book the job and I'd go into the studio. They're like, what are you here for? I'm saying, I'm here for the Coca-Cola thing. It's like, are you sure? I'm like, close your eyes. I'm like, wow, they said, close your eyes. Yeah, dude, I'm sure I'm here for the right. Get-. Like, oh, that's you. Yeah. So there's this total disconnect between how you sound and how you look. And unfortunately, the way things are being cast now, 
they're putting some more emphasis on coming into studio, making sure, because when they promote a lot of these shows, because animation is incredibly lucrative to the studios, they make a lot of money on, on animation, TV and, and film. So they want to make sure that the person that's playing the lead in that project can also promote that project for them. And if there's, you know, a big disparity between the age of the character that you're playing and the actor that's playing it, maybe not as easy to promote this older guy voicing a younger character. So, I mean, there's different, unless you're a celebrity. So there, there are some disadvantages to how the business has gone lately, but I appreciate you. So you opened up this whole thing when you said I I sound younger, but it's true. I appreciate that. And I do play a lot of younger characters, which is great. Uh, I just wish that, I wouldn't have to audition in person so I could always stay hidden so they could just hear the voice and not see the face and not be so confused. Like, wow, what? <laughs> you sound so young. What happened? I'm like, 58 years is what happened. Yeah. What happened to you too? <laughs> Anybody who's ignorant enough to, to judge is just not doing their homework. Like they're not listening to the work you've done, you know? So, I appreciate that. So I appreciate they're, that. They're, but you know, some people, out. it's just like what you hear and then they want to see what they want to see. And if those two don't match, you know, and they have the right to do that. What can you do? It's just, it's disappointing, but it is what it is. Yeah. It's part of the business. Yeah. And I wanted to jump into your on-camera stuff, especially, um, I wanted to talk about dogfight. I've been dying to ask you all day. What are your memories of, of river Phoenix? Cause I was thinking oh. about this question and I, I was, I was watching Joaquin Phoenix accept his Academy award. And he was just talking about his brother. Like he's, yeah. he gushes about his brother. And, you know, I, I mean, you and I are, 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 are close to the same age and we grew up, it was such a tragedy what happened. And, and, you know, you had the chance yeah. to work with him. Dogfight, great movie, great movie. Um, what what you. are your memories yeah. of him, Mitchell? He was, a, he was a friend. He was a friend of mine, and he was a great guy. Sweet, gentle, uh, just a good human. You know, mm. better than being a good actor uh, is being a good human. And he mm. was. And we bonded when we did the movie. We became close when we did the film. And um, it was terrible. It was just a terrible tragedy. You know, you hear something like that happen. And you just, the first thing is disbelief. And then it's just sad. And I, you know, I'll still see his films and I'll still think about him or hear, you know, hear, see his brother, obviously, who was on the set when we were shooting. Um, when we were shooting Dogfight, he'd come to the set and visit yeah. Joaquin Wood. Yeah. And um, I saw his sister one year at uh, Sundance when I was there for something. And, right. you know, we, we, we spoke and it was just, it was heartbreaking. He was just as talented as he was, he was just a sweetheart of a guy. And um, you hate to see something like that happen to such a, a good person, such a young person. Yeah. But um, great memories of making the movie together. Yeah. We had a blast. I mean, the, the whole group of us, you know, Richard Ponabianco, Anthony Clark, Lily Taylor, uh, Nancy Savoca, our director, Richard Gay, our producer. Thank God I haven't lost my marbles completely. I still remember people from the movie. Um, um, Lily Taylor and it was amazing in that. Amazing. Huh? So Lily Taylor's amazing. Oh my God. Such you a got, beautiful you got performer. Me thinking. Yeah. Such a yeah. beautiful performer. I mean, everything, again, another one of those actors, everything she does, you believe and you're totally invested in. She's an incredible actress. Um, I always want to say actor. I think it's funny. We've gotten, you know, we still have different references for male and female actors, which is kind of bizarre. Yeah. I'm not trying to get on this whole thing, but I just, no, every time no. I say it, I want to say she's an amazing actor. But I'm like, no, it's actress, but it should really be actress. We should yeah. all be actors. It's so weird. <laughs> we don't say doctress or lawyeress. Why do yeah. we say actress? It's so weird. But no, she is an incredible actress. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was an amazing, the whole movie was an amazing experience. Yeah. It was yeah. my, um, it was my first studio movie. And the whole thing was just, it was incredible. And the people were amazing, especially River. Like, like, I'm not just saying this because you and I are conversing. Like, really, really underrated movie. Like, if anybody's lo- listening or watching, um, I can't recommend it enough. Like, it's so good. You know, I think, you know, Derek, I think what hurt it was at the time, you know, Hollywood is is very good at, at compartmentalizing, you know, 
Give me, give me, tell me this movie in one line. What is this movie in one line? You know, when you're pitching a movie, like pitch it to me real quick. What's the one line pitch for the movie? And when you think about the one line pitch for dogfight, a group of Marines throw a party before they go off to what's to become Vietnam to see who can bring the least attractive woman. Yeah, Especially I today. Imagine yeah, trying I to sell that movie today. Now, yeah, I get it. I the, get the movie, it. the movie isn't condoning that. The movie right. isn't about that. It's about finding love in a very strange and unusual situation, being what I just said. Yeah. So it, you know, and these things were real. There were these were dog fights. These were things that the Marines did back then. It's not a good thing. It's not an attractive thing. No one's right. condoning it. Right. But so this was taking that background and showing what came out of that. So then there's nothing wrong with that. So, but I think people heard and might have been turned off by the theme, not realizing that no, 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 it isn't, you know, celebrating the theme. It's turning that theme on its ear and saying, no, that's that's not what's supposed to happen, but look what came out of it. So I think some people may have been turned off by hearing, you know, that one line or the what the what the what the movie was about and not taking into account, but it's a love story that comes from something so horrible. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it was. I thought it was a really cool movie, and one of the movies I'm really most proud of, and yeah. it's probably least known. But yeah, it's it's a really cool film. If you haven't had a chance to see it, it's it's definitely a good watch. I hate to sound like old man, but like so, it's I feel like a different time as well, right? Because like it, there's movies like so, the Bad News Bears. Jackie Earl Haley is going to be at the Comic Con that we're going to talk about eventually. Right. And and the first Bad News Bears movie, um, the, the actor who plays Tanner goes off on this tangent. And he must have thrown out like six racial slurs. Oh, God. A comment. Absolutely. But it's, it, but it's a different. And I know I sound like the words are what they are. They're not. I get it. But like it was a different context in the late 70s. It doesn't make it OK. Of course. But, of course. But, I mean, listen, there are plenty of movies that couldn't be made today. Not I mean, try pitching Blazing Saddles, Mel Brooks, a hysterically <laughs> funny comedy that's incredibly inappropriate, uses a lot of inappropriate words. And yeah, um, yeah and I think, I think, you know, for the better, we're becoming more, more aware, we're becoming more aware of the power of words. And we're trying to, you know, enter into a time where racism is hopefully not an issue in the year, in the coming years for my kids. It's still around. It's still terrible. But what mm -hmm. happens during these times there's obviously things that need to be changed in this country, points of view, uh, the way we treat people. Obviously, these are things that hopefully will continue to get better over time. Um, but I think during that that period of correcting things that have been wrong in the past, there can also be an overcorrection where become, we become so sensitive to everything. And rightfully so, we should be more sensitive as human beings. But I hope in the process, we also don't lose our sense of humor. I don't mean to sound insensitive, no, but that makes sense. I think yeah. in, our, in our evolving as human beings and being sensitive, I hope we don't lose our sense of humor in the process, our ability to laugh at ourselves, not other people, but ability right. to laugh at ourselves more than anything. Yep. Um, and I'm hoping that that ability comes back soon while we're correcting and trying to make things better as a society, right. that we are also still able to find humor in things. Cause I think that's important. I think being able to laugh at ourselves and laugh at very tough situations and laugh at things that aren't right. And using that humor as a way of not, not just realizing, Oh, that's the problem. Let's, let's address the humor of it as well, but also healing through that as well. So yeah, I'm hoping that we, we, we sort of get our humor back a little bit. I'd like to see that come back, but it's yeah. tough during a time when we're trying to correct things and trying to train people to think and speak and look at things, you know, as human beings again, which yeah. I think is something that's been lost over the last several decades. So yeah, yeah. I, I hope we get our humor back in the process as well. No, that's well said, you know, and, and one of your, another one of your iconic roles for those listening is Barry, the orthodontist and friends. Oh, uh, how would you compare um, if you had to 
uh, Marissa Tomei and Jennifer Aniston. Like, oh gosh, uh, I oh, I don't know that I could compare them to totally different people. Um, what they what they both have in common yes, is yeah, incredible yeah. timing and incredible yep. talent. Yep, both very very funny. Both really good at what they do. Um, that's a really great question. Yeah, I think the common ground is just really amazing performers. You know, uh, obviously did a film with one comedy, but not a sitcom. It, you know, but you know what? When it comes to comedic acting, yes, sitcoms and you know comedic films are different venues and uh, take a little bit different approach as an actor. But if you can do one, you can do the other, and just it takes yeah. a little bit of training, I think, to go from film to television to get that four camera dynamic the timing of it, waiting for the laughs. So it's a little bit different, but talent is talent and a talented actor is a talented actor. And those are both, they're both so good. Yeah. Um, yep, yep. I sound like a beefaroni. They're both so good. <laughs> those commercials from back yes, in the day. Yes, yummy, yummy yes. in my tummy. Now yes. I'm really going off the rails, but yeah, they are just, uh, they're both great to work with very easy and very generous. I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize that when you're working with other actors, having another actor that's generous with you and toward you makes a huge difference. Yeah. That's not afraid to let you shine or let you have your moments in general, uh, be there for you. Cause a lot of times when you're filming something, sometimes, you know, the actors go home, you'll have a stand in for your sight line and you're getting your actors. But you know, both of these actors were always there, very generous with their time, amazing timing and great talent. So that would be the common ground with those two. Ah, uh, great answer. You know, let's, uh, and I wanted to hop into the legendary, legendary, uh, my cousin Vinny. Um, I can't <laughs> believe that this movie is almost 31 years old. It's ridiculous. Isn't that crazy? It's ridiculous. But I, I can't gotta... believe it either. And I was there and I can't believe it. <laughs> Can I tell you a pet peeve I have when, when sure. either you do interviews or other people do interviews and people refer to Fred Gwynn as Herman Munster. I'm like, please stop because this man is a Harvard grad. He's an, he's a Navy veteran. He has, his, his filmography is impeccable and people oh, are calling him Herman Munster, like you've got to be kidding me! Like I know, I mean, I know. I, I do. It by drives the, me you know, nuts. I I do the same thing. I try and do it, especially since I'm usually being interviewed when it comes up. Um, I try and do it in a gracious way, so I'm not like attacking my interview. Don't you call him that? But <laughs> the the thing that I usually say to people that will say that is like, you know, it's funny. I understand how people are part. They're like these iconic roles, and sometimes it's easy to brand them. I said, but with someone like Fred Gwynn, he's such a talented man. Uh such a wonderful actor and he has such great moments and great presence on screen. I said, I feel bad. I put it on myself. I see, I feel bad thinking of him as categorized as Herman Munster. And that's how we're going to remember him. Cause that's Smart. not how I remember him. Smart. Um, you know, I, I, did you ever see cotton club? Yes. Yes. His performance in cotton club is absolutely brilliant. Absolutely well, brilliant. It's a great just, movie. By the way. Just, yeah. That just hit me like a, that's a, that's I haven't seen that in a while. Yeah, but he's done so many performances like that. Um, yes. So if you, for those of you that only know him from that, show, and listen, the Munsters are great. Oh, I grew up with that show. Yeah. So uh, first run, not reruns. So I grew up with that show, <laughs> um, and he was wonderful, and it was a great fun show. But there's then here comes the asterisk. You should see him and other things, even Pet Cemetery. You know, yes. even Pet Cemetery, a great yes. horror film that he was in. He was great in. Yes. Um, whatever he's done, he's been great in. So, yeah, definitely try and see one of his other pieces of work. Yeah. Um, and then I think you'll see him in a whole different way. And I got to see him as a person, you know, on the set and just hang out with him, which was also great and a little scary and intimidating because he was a huge man. 
Yes. And he didn't smile once, but when he didn't smile much, but when he did smile and you know, you got him, it was great. When he smiled, it was like the greatest thing because he didn't do it a lot. He always had this kind of serious, intimidating look on his face with the eyebrows, you know? So, but when he did smile, it was a beautiful thing. Yeah. So Fred, Fred was a great guy. You turned him into a gamer. Oh, you heard that story. Oh my I gosh. did. You turned him into a gamer. Did it's you want me to a... tell that story? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm on the set of my cousin Vinny. And unfortunately, <laughs> I don't mean to break, you know, break the fourth wall or burst the bubble of people that love movies, but filmmaking <laughs> is boring. It's incredibly tedious and it's very boring. Most of the time you're sitting around until that moment when you're actually, and everyone is working their butts off. That isn't an actor. Everyone is physically working their butts off to make these these scenes, these shots come off the way and look the way they do. So we have the easy job. We're sitting in a director's chair. We're prepared. We're ready, ready to go. But we're mostly sitting a lot of the day. So yeah. one of those days on the set of my cousin Vinny, somewhere in Georgia, probably in Covington, Georgia, I'm sitting in my director's chair and I have the original Nintendo Game Boy out, you know, the original analog old Game Boy playing Tetris, which I think was packed in with the original Game Boy, if I'm not mistaken, if my gamer senses are still yeah. strong. Yep. And I'm sitting there playing the Game Boy and Fred, I sense this, you know, shadow being cast over my chair. And I remember it being a, a nice day. So I look up and there was Fred Gwynn. He must've been like six, four, six, five. Yeah. Big guy. He's, yeah. he's standing over me with that look. He's like, what's that? What is that? And I'm like, it's, it's a, it's a Game Boy. What does it do? It's like, well, you, you, you play, you drop the thing. Let me see. And he takes, of course, in his hands, it's like he's holding a coin, right? Yeah. And he's looking at it, and I see the eyebrows, and he's dropping the things, and he's looking, he's like, okay. Hands it back to me, walks away. And I was thinking, good talk, Fred. That was good. <laughs> and a few words, but, you know, it was great. Whenever I got to talk to him, it was always fun. So he walks away. I don't know if it was the next day or a few days later. I'm on set again. I'm sitting there. Fred now walks by and he travels with his wife. Uh, I think they, I don't think he fly. I, th I don't think he flew. I think yeah. they either took a car or bus or train, but they didn't fly. Oh, and his okay. wife was always with him, which was wonderful. They spent time together, which was great. Yes. And sure enough, Fred walks by me holding his brand new Game Boy that he must have purchased on his off day. Wow. And as he walks by me, he looks at me. He's like, just gives me a look and continues walking. His wife is walking behind him. Stops and looks at me and goes, thank you so much. <laughs> and then she continues. And I started laughing. I was like, I'm sorry. He asked to look at it. It wasn't my fault. Uh, that's apparently great. he hadn't taken his face out of that Game Boy since he purchased it. And his wife was like, thank you. Thank you for that. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I turned I'd like to think I turned into a gamer just a little bit, at least that, a Tetris lover, you know? So yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And you know what? Not, not to be like a Debbie Downer, but he was gone way too. I mean, he, oh, God. he we, we just, I just lost a, 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 a you know, a, a guy that we knew, a, a friend to the pancreatic cancer is a hey, I'm is sorry. Of death. Yeah. And he was, um, it's only 67. I, you know, yeah. that, that I, I, you know, I, when I was reading about his life today, I, I was reminded that I felt like he, we lost him a little, we lost him too, he was too young. He was too young to go. Way you too know. young. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one of those, you know, it's one of those things. We have, we have so many technologies these days and so many medical technologies. And there's still, you know, so many of these cancers that are, you know, when you hear you, that's what someone has, you're like, oh, my God, it's it's the worst. And I'm hoping that's one of the things that we can start getting some cures for soon. Yeah. Um, it's been yeah. a long time. You know, yeah. my um, my stepmother passed away from ovarian cancer and we've had other friends. It's just it's just awful. And yeah, losing someone that young. Um yeah, Sucks. way too young. So hopefully that'll that'll change soon too.
so so I'm just going to recap for those listening and, and not recap, but introduce this for those listening um, or, or watching. You know, Vinny drops March 13th, 92. Critics panned it. Ebert gave it two thumbs down, called it, you know, basically it's it's a movie rental. Don't go to the theater to see it. <laughs> uh, you know, not, not worth it. Uh, I don't know. I just feel like at some point, Mitchell, we have to keep a win-loss record for critics like we do coaches. And, and if, and yeah. if we, we look at your record after a while and You've panned movies that have done really successful. Like, why are you still reviewing movies for people? Like, you you don't know what you you can't tap into the vibe of the average moviegoer. So, what are you doing? Why are we wasting time here? Right? Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think Jaws got panned too. I mean, I, I think we could sit here and probably go through a list of you know of movies, of television shows, of Broadway shows that have been panned, and that's why you know you you know it's okay to watch you know to listen to a critic for some information and maybe some entertainment but at the end of the day you know i think i i, I pay more attention to the people who i am like minded with or yes. i share a sense of humor with or a sensibility with that has seen yep. a movie and you know i i probably use that as my gauge better there's some great critics that you know that sort of have a you know similar point of view strangely enough i mean the uh, you ever um Go to IGN, the website, the gaming website. Yeah, great. They also do movie yeah. reviews. Yep. They do fairly good movie movie reviews. I'm pretty yep. impressed. I, you know, their their review system is pretty decent. I mean, I don't always agree with it, like every critic, but right. Yeah, uh, I, I, the fact that people were panning it was was kind of funny. Um, I didn't pay much attention to it at the time. Um, I think the movie opened. I think it was the number one movie in the country for at least the first two, three weeks, three maybe two or three weeks that it was out. Right. Um, and it did really well during that time period. I think it was like a how much how much money did it make? Like a hundred million dollars at the time or wow. something crazy, which for that time was really good. And not like you know, billion is the new metric. I feel like Dr. Evil, a million is not <laughs> a million's not one million is not a lot of money now. One billion dollars. So um yeah, I I I'm glad that people didn't seem to agree with the critics because it did really well in the theaters and then you know in rentals it went crazy. Yeah, it did. They were right about that. It did do really well in rentals, you yeah. know. So, yeah. but uh, I'm glad it did well in the theaters. And you, when you think about it, and this is something I've talked about in other interviews. This is a comedy that was close to two hours and twenty minutes. Yeah, unheard of. Yeah, that it really is. Yeah, and it speaks to how well the movie was edited. You know, um, and you know, both the editor or editor and director just did an incredible job. And, and that's, it shows you the difference. And again, this is something I've spoken about before, but I think it, it bears mentioning, you know, talking to you, there's a difference between how long a movie is and how well a movie is paced. Yes. There's a difference between length of a movie and the pace of a movie. Right. Cause I've seen movies that were an hour and a half that felt like they were dragging. I couldn't wait to get out of there. Yes. And then I've sat at a three hour movie and thought, wow, I didn't want it to end. Yeah. So there's a difference between the length of a movie and the pacing of one. And yeah. I think what the thing that served Vinny so well is that the movie was paced incredibly well. It's hard for me to watch because I look at it now. And I'm like, oh, look at that. Oh, I wonder if we would have shot that. If there, you know, I look at it very technically and, you know, oh, was that was that the best I could do in that scene? I could have done better. So it's different when I watch it. I try and I try and watch it like a regular person, but it's hard. But, yeah, it's um, it was really cool. It was a really different kind of comedy. And again, a really long comedy, which you will hardly ever see anymore, especially in a day and age where they want. You know, they want to incentivize people to go to the movies and help the theater owners by getting multiple showings in per day. And when you have a longer movie, you can't show that many showings per day because it it lessens the amount of showings you can have because of the length of the movie. So that's another reason they try and keep them on the shorter side now. But, yeah, it was a little different for its time.
Yeah, and, and to some degree, even 20th Century Fox, the, the company that released it for those listening, they, they kind of didn't believe in it either. Because, I mean, they, they, they released it, but they were all in on White Men Can't Jump. They were all in on Alien 3. It's like, well, you know, we're not giving Vinny its love. Like, I mean, I mean, it's easy for me to look back and see it like that. But is there any truth to that, Mitchell? Uh, I wasn't privy to that. I on, yeah. And you know what? Probably the best thing that could have happened because it would have upset me. <laughs> I was like, yeah. come on guys. And I had some friends over at Fox, you know, my buddy was working at Fox at the time. And uh, so it's probably, I, I would say I was blissfully unaware. And yeah. the funny part is, you know, at the end we, we kind of win and yeah. the viewers, you know, the, the fans of the movie kind of win because the movie was still seen. The movie was still appreciated and loved and still talk. Here we are talking about it, yeah. you know, 30 years later, 31 years later, and um, it's it's crazy. It's crazy it, to be a part of something like that. And the fact that it still has legs shows that uh, you know critics are not a, not only not always right, but sometimes dead wrong. And at the end, it's going to be the consumer, the people that go to the movies, the movie viewers that make the decisions with their dollars and with their viewership. So well said, it doesn't yeah. really matter at the end of the day, does it? Right? Yeah. And the rewatchability thirty one years later is awesome. <laughs> like I, I, knowing we were going to speak, I rewatched it over the weekend for the millionth oh, time. But like it, it holds up. It holds up like sometimes there's movies from the 80s, um, early 90s. I rewatch. I'm like, maybe that didn't hold up as well as I thought. <laughs> Vinny doesn't have that problem. Vinny uh, you know what? Problem. I agree. It has that sort of that timeless feel to it. And I think part of that is helped by the fact that it's, you know, it becomes a courtroom movie sort of, the, you know, about, about a third of the way in and throughout. Um, and for some reason, courtroom movies really hold up well. They really do. Uh, maybe because they're isolated and, you know, the legal procedure, legal procedure hasn't changed that much yeah. over the decades. Yeah. So I think that probably helps it. Um, but yeah, I, it's just, it, it's crazy. I, I, I kind of watch it every once in a while, or if it's on, I'll it's, that's a funny thing. It's always on every week. It's on somewhere, pay TV, regular TV. It doesn't matter. It's always on some channel every week. And people, Oh, I saw, I saw Vinny. It's on. It's like, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it's, well, it's, it's really cool. I'm really happy. I'm not looking at uh, Will Smith as Stan uh, Rossi right now. I'm, not, I'm real happy at that. You know what? It, it would have been a people. We talk about that all the time because the people for the people that are listening, watching now that don't know at the end, I think I was told it came down as a choice between me and Will Smith for the role of Stan. And I was like, it would have been a different movie, but I still think it would have it probably would have been funny. He's a super talented guy, super funny guy. So, you know, but I'm believe me, I'm glad it was me. The first yes. and last time that I ever beat Will Smith out for a movie. That's what I always say. And that's okay. Um, but yeah, I, I was very happy that it was me. And I, I was very happy I got to meet Ralph and work with Ralph. I think we had a nice chemistry on screen. I feel we have a nice rapport off screen and that helped the on-screen chemistry. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I, I got super lucky and fortunate and I'm glad it worked out the way that it did. Yeah. And I think it's insane that Pesci halfway through filming goes to get his best supporting actor for Goodfellas. I think that's insane. I think that's Isn't unbelievable. That crazy? That's unbelievable. Like, hold on guys, time out. I got, I got to go get my award. I'll be back on set. Like, and he brought, he brought the Oscar to the set. Get out. He brought and it on. He brought it to the set when he came back. And you know, I, I didn't want to touch it because I thought it was bad luck. You know, I must've thought that I was, you know, you know, skating for the Stanley Cup championship. We just won the conference title. I don't want to touch it because it, it'll jinx us for winning the cup. That yeah. was my, you know, such a hockey fan. That was my mentality. Don't yeah. touch the Oscar. It'll ruin any chances of winning your own Oscar. Yeah. And, and I think it's insane that he did that. And, and you know, 
movie made 53 million did really well uh marissa tomei it only made 53 oh i thought it made 100 i'm such a loser okay go ahead no yeah uh you know and and the the idea marissa tomei is just out of out of this world um you i've heard you in other interviews talk about how you not word for word but you you had a front row seat to that iconic you know scene where she's going on about uh the tempest and the skylark and she's doing her thing um boy that you talk about we talk about colgate and other schools that is a first rate uh, education. That is a class. That is a master class right there. Oh, it's a master class in performance. Yeah. It was, you know, tour de force. You could use any cliche you wanted. It would absolutely apply. I totally agree with you. And yeah, I got to see it sitting there live watching her shoot that scene. And then I got to see it in the editing room the next day. I got to watch it with the director, with the editor. He was, you know, our, our director and editor were gracious enough to allow me in the editing room and let me see what the camera sees and learn about filmmaking from that perspective. And even sitting there watching the dailies of her performance, I was sitting there saying, she's going to win the Oscar. If she's nominated, she's going to win the Oscar. She's that good. Wow. And so when people ask me, were you shocked that she won? I was like, no, because I was there. I watched it. And I was like, and every, every take that she did was equally good, probably slightly different as they always are. That's the beauty of filmmaking. You could shoot the same scene a hundred times during the day. And it will be a hundred. It'll be great. Not most of them will be great, hopefully. Um, but they'll all be slightly different because you know we're we're humans, and there's just a different, maybe a different pacing, a different way you took a breath, a different look and pause that you took. Um, you know the way you were in and out of your lighting for that particular moment. So they, it changes, and that's why you know having a great director and editor is so important with yeah. all these different versions of the same scene that you shoot, and the way that you which whichever take that you choose to put in the movie. And however you choose to cut into that next scene, it multiplies exponentially if you have multiple takes of each moment. And then you're cutting into another scene that had multiple takes of each moment. Imagine the combinations, the tens of thousands of different movies you can make from that same script just based on the choices that you made, the takes that you took and that you put together. It's mind boggling. So, you know, we talk about the fragility of success and, you know, what makes one thing take off. And it, you never know. It could be that one little thing, that one little cut, that one little take. And it, it all comes together. It all worked. But yeah, watching her, there was no doubt in my mind. I was like, she's going to win the Oscar. She's so good. I'll tell you a scene that had me howling uh, when I was rewatching this weekend. Uh, it was between uh, Stan and uh, Vinny. And, 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 and the Stan prison thinks, cell? Yeah, Stan thinks he's talking about a potential prison romance. Yeah. And Vinny's <laughs> talking about the fact- Romance, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to tell you, talk about, again, talking about holding up well, like it's just, I don't know. It's just, I, I just couldn't stop laughing. And I've seen this scene a zillion times and I'm still keeling over from laughter. Like it's crazy. It's I love crazy. that. Derek. No, th- I'm glad. I'm glad it gave you joy. It gave me joy to read that scene. That was the scene. When I read that scene in the script, that's when I said, I have to do this movie. I have to yeah. be a part of this movie. I yeah. was, it was fantastic. Yeah. And unfortunately, um, you may know this already, but we didn't shoot that scene until maybe like week eight or nine out of nine wow. or 10 weeks of shooting. I did not know that. Yeah. So, you know, and I was, it was killing me because I wanted to shoot that scene right away, you yeah. know, which would have worked out great because Joe and I were not familiar with each other at the time. So it would have been that, you know, we don't really know each other. It would have been a little awkward to begin with. Hopefully not too awkward, more acting awkward than real awkward. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we didn't shoot that till way late and it was killing me because I, yeah. I read that script and I, I, I was laughing and I still laugh when I see it because it's, it's sort of upsetting to watch you know, a little scrawny me up there and, you know, trying to like back my way, keep my back away from him. Yeah. So even when I backed away, you'll notice that when I turned, I never turned my back on him. 
I always was facing him and like backing up and maneuvering so that, you know, I was always seeing him right in front of me. Right. I never let him know. Right. So, right. Um, yeah. So I was very careful. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, it was such a fun. Scene. I'm glad it played as well as it read. And I was very happy it came off like it did because it would have killed me if it didn't because it was so beautiful on the page. Dale Lawner wrote that script. Yeah. That scene played off beautifully in the script. And I was like, man, I have to do this thing justice. Even my dogs agree. <laughs> and I have to say it, you know, and, and it, I, I've always thought the casting was perfect for this movie. You know, all you hear about these potential people, whether Andrew Dice, Claire, I'm just so happy it worked out the way it did because I have to say uh, Stan and, and Bill's uh relationship is so wonderful your and ralph rapport is so wonderful you mentioned it earlier there's this there's something very sweet about ralph that i can't put my finger like i feel like he's had such a profound impact on my life and i i'm i'm sounding like such a nerd right now but like i mean it like think about it he is a guy that went against the bullies and for anybody who got bullied during those years and the karate kid this guy was there and then he had people in his real life give up on him like people think like ralph you know rode the karate kid and you know he did some other great things on like the outside he's done some right. great projects but people, and, and Ralph has admitted this, people have given up on, they gave up on him professionally around the time of any. Um, but I don't know. I just, I have such a, I have such an admiration and, and just, a, um, I'm so humbled by what this guy has done for my, for me and my life. I'm so humbled by what you have done. Um, and you mentioned earlier your rapport off camera. Well, whatever happened off camera led to on camera because it's, it's just beautiful movie making, Mitchell. Uh, thank you. You know, and you know, by the way, everything you said about Ralph and, you know, if you ever, have you ever met him? I, I've met him twice at comic cons um, before this, before the pandemic. Yeah. Super nice and guy. Super, super nice. Guy. nice. He's, yeah. he's like salt of the earth, just a regular guy. Yeah. Kind, uh, intelligent, very talented, very natural in front of the camera. And if anyone deserves success, he does. Um, just because of the, you know, obviously the quality performance is there, but the quality of person that he is, is just as high as the, as the performance. So, um, yeah, I was, I was very fortunate that I got to do this with him. And, you know, the funny part is we don't have, we didn't have a lot of time together before we actually started shooting. I think we got to Georgia less than a week before we started shooting. So yeah. we only had like a few days of rehearsal to have that, you know, we tested together but we didn't have that time to really bond. I think we tested together. Pretty sure we tested together. We didn't have a lot of time to bond. And right. thankfully we both got along so well, so quickly that it just clicked both, like you said, both off camera and on camera for us. So there was that, there was that immediate camaraderie. I'm looking, I'm looking at the picture now in the frame of this, Yeah, yeah. That, you know, I'm watching, you know, the look, that horrible look on my face and Ralph's just <laughs> sort of like, hey. and, um, just, we just had fun together. You know, we, we were horrified together walking through those prisons that were real. That was a real prison that we used in the movie, a yeah. real working prison. Yeah. So that, that horror that we had was genuine. And uh, I think the fun that we had was genuine too, on and off camera. We, we just had a blast together. I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing him in Rhode Island. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it works so well. And, 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 you know, I have to say, you know, there's a, there's a Cobra Kai. I don't know if you're up on Cobra Kai, but there's a, there's a, there's a prison situation unfolding in, in the last season I just think you would be an awesome cameo if he walks by your cell. And, What's this guy in for? He stole a can of tuna fish. Like, I, it's it's got to be there, Mitchell. We have to, Mitchell. We have to make this happen. Like, oh, I'm, that's I'm, great. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I, I yeah. should bring that up to him, but I don't want him to think that I'm like, like saying, "Hey, dude, put, put me in your show." I don't want it to come off like that. But that would be hysterical. Yeah, that would yeah. be hysterical. Oh, so, I'd love to do. I, I keep on thinking it's like it's not too late for Vinny too. 
30 years later, this time it's serious. So I don't know what's going to happen now. I, I'm pretty sure people are like, are they going to make another Vinny? I was like, I think that ship may have sailed many decades ago. <laughs> However, listen, bringing back shows and movies is, is all the rage right now. And they, they know right. it's an easy sell. If you take something that was already a hit, and bring it back. It's a guarantee, you know, guarantee. Oh, it's going to be a hit again. So, yes. hey, who knows? Maybe the movie gods will be with us and we'll do something else with Vinny. But even if nothing ever happens, which it probably won't, I'm happy that I was just there at the beginning. So it's oh, you've, you've had an amazing career and you still having an amazing career, which is Thank you. Yeah. So, Thank so you. I wanted to say I had somebody on the podcast twice while we're on the, you know, me spreading my admiration and, and love for, for people that have made it. Um, I've had Austin Pendleton on the show twice. Oh. Um, I got to tell you, like, I love him. Like, I love him. I'm sorry. Like, I do. What's like, not I, to love about Austin? Yeah. He's like, the sweetest, funniest man in the world. He's, super talented, you know, funny, like, just like oh a my big God. heart. Yeah. And just, what a warped sense of humor he has. <laughs> he knows just how to get me, how to make me laugh. And again, I feel like I've been saying this. Oh, such a nice video. But I've been very fortunate. I've worked with some amazing people. And Austin is, is a sweetheart. And he's funny. And he's got a devious sense of humor. Like I said, he would get me. And even on camera, he would get me yeah. and then sort of look at me off camera like, I got you, right? I was like, oh, my God. But funny. And people don't know. He was he was a real stutterer. So yeah, big time. Big and he time. worked really hard to get rid of that stutter. And then the offer from my cousin Vinny comes in. Could you imagine what that must have been like? Bring so me, Just when I thought I got out, you bring me back. You, you, you pull, pull me back, back in. in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that reference, too. And but he really, yeah. He, yeah, he really he really is. A, I mean, for those listening, he really like your said, like your word said, like he was really affected by like he was like, you know, he, and it but 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 it's kind of a two-folded thing. Right. Because like you and Ralph don't know about this. Right. And right. Ralph has said on many occasions, like he's been on camera since 79. He said this scene where, you know, where he's where where Austin's trying to make his way through as his lawyer as, as a lawyer. Ralph said he could never compose himself. You couldn't compose yourself. Like, but like, what do you oh. But that's the intent of the film is to like you talk about things you can't do in 2022. There's a character you can do in 2022 the way. Absolutely. Because it comes off that, you know, it, it, it could come off like you're making fun of a stutterer. Correct. And I understand how people could see that. Yeah. That was certainly not the intent. The intent no was way. my lawyer was a stutterer. And as if things weren't going badly enough for me, he can't get his words out to give me a decent defense. And that's where the comedy comes from. Right. The comedy doesn't come from, in my opinion. And again, I'm not a stutterer, so I haven't had to live with that. And I haven't had to live with, you know, feeling that way about myself, the self-consciousness. And so that I'm saying I'm taking this with a huge grain of salt, right? So or take this with a huge grain of salt. But my perspective always was, even at the time and today, it was not making fun of a person who stutters. It was... It was really the situation of, oh, my God, if things could not get any worse for this poor guy, now his his lawyer cannot even get the defense out to defend him. Um, my and, life is on, my life is on the line and nothing's being said to defend it. That's, the, and, that's how it's and, taken. Yeah. You know, but I, I, I at the same time, I do understand how people, especially that have lived with this. Yeah. Um, could feel bad and marginalized by it. I get it. But I can tell you firsthand that was definitely not the intent. Whether it could be not. made today or not, yeah. you're probably right. It probably wouldn't happen today. Um, but yeah, that but, definitely wasn't the intent. But my God, the scenes with Austin, I and, and you know, Ralph and I will both tell you that you couldn't, there was not a clean take of us in the background where you didn't see this. <laughs> it just didn't happen. Yeah. And yeah. the director even said to me, you know, you, you can't laugh. You know, you really have to I'm like intellectually, I get it. Yeah. But the body wants what the body wants and the body wants to laugh. Yeah. So 
And then the director would say action. And then he'd turn his back. So he wouldn't laugh. I'm like, oh, what a great example you're setting. You're yeah. telling me not to laugh. You wrote action. And then you turn around. So you're not laughing. I mean, I could yeah. see his shoulders going too. I could see the director, Jonathan Lynn, laughing the whole time. So yeah. How many how crazy. many takes is that, Mitchell, that scene? If you if you had to guess, I mean, I'm sure you don't have the number down, but I'm sure we did at least four or five takes. At least. Yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah. We did. yeah. 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 So um, it was, yeah. yeah, there was a producer that was talking, and he said, "You know that that Vin, Vinny should have been more popular than it was." And he regrets the trailer where your where your character said the clans here um, uh, they sleep with their sisters. Some of them their, do. Yes, the the you know doomed in the south. They're inbred. Those words do in the trailer doomed it. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like the trailer doomed the 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 southern portion of people going to see that movie? Um. You know what? I never thought about it, but having you say it, I could see where it absolutely would. Yeah. Because uh, again, you take a scene out of context and, you know, are you promoting, if that's the way the trailer was, are you promoting a movie that's, you know, trying to make a caricature of what a Southern person is, or you're making it a, you know, making characterization about what a typical Southern person is. So I can definitely see where that could be taken that way. And yeah. I think, again, you have to be careful with that stuff because what are you saying about the movie? What are you saying the movie is at the same time? You took something that in the movie at the time was said for laughs and obviously said by a New Yorker who'd never been to the South and is just repeating the worst possible thing that he could have heard about happening in the South. Um, again, taken out of context, sure. I could see where people would see like where people could have been offended by that. Sure. And certainly today I could see where people would be offended by that. Sure. Because you're creating, you know, you know, a stigma about this is what a, a Southern person is or does, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Of course, we know that. Yeah. But I, I could see that, but I never even thought about that. I didn't think about, um, it's so funny. I didn't think about the movie not doing well. I must have not remembered. No, like, it did really well, but, but he, right. he was making the point that it could have been even um, better, even better. Yes. Right. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But you know what? It, I don't think we relied on, I don't think, I think that scene was funny in the context of the movie. Um, but there were so many funny moments in that movie where that scene could have gone out of the trailer. I don't think it would have made a difference. It wouldn't have hurt it at all. So maybe who knows, you know, everyone looks back and, you know, <laughs> look, looking back and going, Oh, what would I change here? Oh, maybe we can get even more views. Let's remake <laughs> that trailer. Let's get more rentals and more views and more yeah. rentals. That's funny. I'm dating myself now. Let's Wait, go over to the, the one remaining, you know, blockbuster video and rent the movie on DVD <laughs> or know, VHS Mitch even. <laughs> you know, Mitchell, the one, it's funny that you say VHS. Remind me to tell you about that when we talk about the Comic-Con in a second. But, you know, it, it's funny because I've said this before. The list of comedies that are good in the last 10 years are very minimal. But this is why people are going back to rewatch the Vinnies, you know, a zillion times. This is why they're going back to rewatch these comedies that came in the 80s and 90s because I want to be careful how I phrase this. So, so people are kind of they want to laugh, but they don't want to laugh with constraints. Like I, I'm not saying we all have to go back to uh, some of the movies that we, we brought up earlier. Um, what's the one that you just said? I, I forgot the one blazing with, saddles. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah. we all have to go that far, but like, I right. feel like we've corrected ourselves to the point where you have to be able to laugh at yourself too. You have to be able right. to know what intent, what, what, like when you're really trying to hurt somebody, I I don't know. We we've lost our balance. It's just, it's, it's gone haywire. Um, well, I don't, yeah, but, but yeah, like I said, it's like during a time of correction, which this country and the world right now sorely needs, Yes, you have to live through an overcorrection. And part of that overcorrection is that, you know, anything even that would have been, that would be normally acceptable, even finding humor in things that are inappropriate because we're trying to find the humor in things in order to laugh at ourselves. I think those things will come back. 
Um, but during a time where we're trying to make things right during that overcorrection period, you're probably not going to see, you know, stuff that maybe you've seen 20 or 30 years ago, or maybe we'll see 10 or 20 years from now. I don't know. Um, and again, some of the stuff we're talking about, maybe we probably shouldn't see again. Um, but there is that again, finding the, the finding humor in ourselves and being able to laugh at ourselves a little bit. Yeah. And I'd like to see that come back a little bit more in movies, not the, ex not at the expense of people's feelings, but sort of in the spirit of using it to be able to lighten it and be able to laugh at it and go, yeah, let's find the humor and how ridiculous this is. And maybe it'll bring us together a little bit more. So yeah, we're, we're probably not going to see that come back for a little bit, but hopefully we'll be able to find the humor in things again and by, be able to find the humor in ourselves uh, in, in better times in the coming years. Yeah. So well said. And it, the last thing on, on, on Vinny, um, the sweetest thing that one of the, that I noticed in the rewatchables is the rapport between Fred and Joe. I just think it is the sweetest thing, how it evolves how far it comes. Like, it's just like, I know it's a comedy, but there are elements of this that are dramatic are heartfelt. Like, and right. that's where, that's where Vinny gets its, it's, I don't know if belovedness is a word, but it's not the, like the, 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 the jokes on the South or, or whatever. There's not, there's really none of that in there, but like, it's, it's those moments is the rapport between you and Ralph. It's the rapport between uh, Marissa and, and Joe and Joe and Fred. Like, it's all about these relationships. By the end of the movie, you love them all. Like, it's just, it's a, it's a beautiful, it's, it's, it's a perfect comedy. It's a perfect, you know comedy. what? I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that because I think, like I said, this is not your typical comedy there. are I mean, but you know, there, you know, I think a good comedy is a mix of things, but you know, there's a lot of pathos to that character, to the Vinny character. Um, and I think, you know, that, that, that journey that he goes on and you know, with his relationship, uh, with his career, um, even with his connection to the boys trying to keep them out of trouble out of the electric chair, actually. Um, so yeah, there there are a lot of moments, and and they're just there's such a sweetness between there's so many sweet moments between Joe and Fred, uh, and unlikely, physically unlikely, yes, energy yes. unlikely, yes. In their energies unlikely in their humor, unlikely in their approach. Uh, so on many levels, this is like it couldn't be more opposite each other, and yet it works. And you see early on that that sort of connection, even over the the chessboard when it's just starting, and then. Joe fumbles the chessboard and upsets Fred, of course, by messing up his board. But that that little spark of like, you know, a kinship between the two of them. Um, and then, of course, it, you know, pays off really at the end of the movie. I won't ruin it for the maybe the 12 people that haven't seen it at this point. right? <laughs> um, I hope there are only 12 that haven't seen it. But yeah, no, no. Their relationship was really special and really sweet. Like like you said, it's a really sweet relationship with them. You know, and you talk about the screen versus what's actually shot. Like, I, th there's no other two actors that would make the two Utes thing work like they did. There's no other. I'm sorry. You could put De Niro there. You could put whoever else in Fred's place. Nothing is going to work like two Utes in those. Like, that's what I'm saying. That's how you know it's a perfectly cast movie because Absolutely. they brought that. You guys, all of you, brought that script to life and, and made it a, a treasure. That's I. So thank you for that. Oh, I'm, thank you. I'm, I, I love that. You know, I, I love that I was a part of something that brought a lot of joy. Yes. Um, you know, and I have you, my favorite movies and TV shows that, you know, that I watch and, you know, especially when things are, you know, things have been tough for everyone over the last few years. And, you know, I'm a big proponent of finding joy in things, yeah. have things in life that give you joy, whether it's your family, hopefully your work, definitely your family, uh, the people you surround yourself with. Um, I have a buddy of mine, Jamie in St. Louis, and we talk about chocolate or sweet treats all the time, things that make us smile and board <laughs> games. You know, we talk about board games. And so I'm a big proponent of having things in life that give you joy. And I have my shows that, you know, I'll watch or I'll, you know, Fringe is one of my favorite TV shows. Love Great Fringe. Show. 
Great show. Fringe, Chuck, and Grimm. Three of my favorite TV shows. And they yeah. all have one one name. Yeah. Um, so I'll have you know Fringe on in the background, and I'll watch Walter Bishop doing his thing. And I'll just be doing other things in the room, but I have it on. It's sort of like my comfort food. So it's nice to have those things, those movies, those TV shows that just that sort of center you and settle you down and almost act like a, a natural, you know, a natural drug, for lack of a better term, that just calms you and makes you feel good. So yeah, yeah, I, I definitely love that. I was a part of something that that brings people like you joy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it makes makes you feel good. I bet you were a big part of it. And, and and you know what? I have to ask you this: Do you get dad cred for being have such a you know a wonderful career? Please tell me your kids give you some dad cred. You know, I think because the majority of like my on camera film and TV stuff took place when they were either little, really little, or before they were born. Yeah, they get very confused because you know for the last more than ten years. It's been I've been doing more voice work than anything else, which is great. Right. That's fantastic. Right. I'm not like saying, oh, poor no, me. I it's been it. wonderful. Yeah. But so the majority of my on camera, I was visible. People recognize me was was further back. So they get really confused. They don't understand. It's like my, my daughter said to me, you know, because her her one of her high school teachers was a big Friends fan. It's like your dad is Barry. And my daughter, Samantha, came. I was like, my my teacher thinks it's like a big deal. It's like, I don't get it. I'm like, well, number one, thanks. Uh, number two, that's very sweet. She goes, yeah, when you come into class, she wants to meet you. I was like, okay. He's like, it's so weird. Why does she think that's such a big deal? And my son never was comfortable with people recognizing me. He didn't understand. He's like, you're just dad. I don't get it. I'm like, uh, it's okay. I'll explain it to you one day. Yeah. So <laughs> they think it's kind of funny. And I think now that they're older, they appreciate it more and they get it. I don't think, I still think my son thinks it's weird that people want to come up to me, even though he's 19 and he intellectually gets it. He's like, people are coming up to you. Why are they doing that? I'm like, oh, you know why. Yeah. So, but so, um, I think I get a little cred now, especially because I think they're friends and teachers, you know, my son's in college now, but you know, my daughter's high school teachers, you know, know my stuff. So she thinks it's kind of cool at the same time, a little weird. So yeah, I get a little bit of dad cred, but not a lot. Yeah. We, we need, we need to work on that. Uh, so yeah. let's talk about your wonderful appearance at Rhode Island comic-con. Yes. November 4th, 5th and 6th. I will be promoting this. I will be covering it for the podcast. You are the fourth person I've had on. And I love I'm that. Thank you. Super excited. And I go to all my guests. I, I support all my guests. I'm as good as my word. I have purchased a <laughs> um a VHS of my cousin Vinny unopened. And I support my guests. I'm gonna have it. I hope I'll, I'll be honored when you sign it. Uh, of and course. I'm, and I'm gonna put it here. And I'm bummed <laughs> about one thing. I'm so pissed because of what? the family schedule. I'm only I can only go on Friday, and freaking Ralph's not gonna be there Friday, he's gonna be there Saturday, Sunday. But the good news is, Mitchell, I get to meet you, and I've met Ralph twice before, so I am just so honored. Is this your first Comic-Con? Tell me your view on this. I am this psyched. Is, People are psyched. This is my first Rhode Island Comic-Con. Very nice. This is my first Rhode Island. I've, I've done New York. I've done New York twice, and I've done uh, LA or San Diego a couple of LA. That's terrible. San Diego. San Diego. Yeah. I've done San Diego a couple of times, but this will be my first Rhode Island, and I'm really excited about it. I have to... I was super impressed by the amount of people, not the, the amount of people that show up that come to this con, but the guests that that Rolling Comic Con gets con. incredible. It's and all I've heard house. is this is a great convention. You're gonna love it. This is like, and and I'm I'm really excited. I've, this will be my first time. I'm gonna I'm gonna milk every moment of it. I will be there. I will be there for people that want autographs. I just want to stop by and say hi. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm looking forward to trying the local foods. And now I know the pizza. Will be one of those local foods as well, thanks to your recommendation. Yeah. How do you like dealing with fans? I mean, I, I feel like you remind me very much of Keith Coogan, who is in Adventures of Babysitting. Right, and, right. Um, in the sense that you both love 
what you've done. Like you're proud of it. And you love dealing with fans and people and you and you love talking about Vinny the way he loves talking about it. Like I like as a fan, like those are the people I want to talk to. I don't want to talk to, I'm going to, if I'm wrong in this, I'll, I'll take it back, but it's okay. William Shatner clearly does not want to be at comic cons. He does not want to be there. He's, he's there to collect the paycheck. Listen, <laughs> as an actor, Mitchell, you have earned whatever somebody wants to give you for an autograph. You have earned that. You have put your life, you have put your life into this, whoever, but I feel like it makes it even more worth it when you love dealing with people, when you love dealing with, I don't know. To me, I'm not getting emotional. Just something got in my eye. <laughs> No, something really did get in my eye. No, people, I believe you. He gets emotional talking about this. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. You know, I, you know, it's 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 a double edged sword. I think um, when when you're in this business, there's an understanding that the things that the great things that you're able to gain through your work come from the fact that people want to see you in a movie or in a TV show and support those movies and TV shows. So those fans, in a great way, are responsible for your continued success. So. I can understand why some people, why some actors don't like being bothered in certain situations, like when you're with your family. Uh, if oh, you're absolutely. Yes. In I'm, the bathroom, yes. you're at a urinal. No yes. one wants to say hello yes. to urinal, folks. I'm just telling <laughs> you right now. People yeah. are doing their business. Let them do their business. But I understand that there are inopportune moments to want to engage someone. I get that. Yes. But for the most part, I'm happy to talk to people. I love people. Want, someone wants to come over and say, hey, I just want to say hello. Oh, man. It makes me feel great. And if they want to talk awesome. a little about a movie or TV show, absolutely. Um, I know. Listen, I know sometimes fans can be over aggressive or over eager and sometimes lines are crossed and that happens. People are human beings. Mistakes happen. Uh, but I'd like to think the majority of interactions that I've almost every interaction I've had with a fan that wanted to talk to me or stop me or wanted to autograph. It was wonderful. Yes. And yes. I've been fortunate. I'm also fortunate probably that I never reached that superstardom where I couldn't leave the house because, right. or I couldn't be in public because I'd be swamped. And, you know, that level of fame comes with, you know, it's downside as well, because you feel like, I think you lose your privacy to an extent in terms of, you know, paparazzi or people following wherever you go. I'm not talking about that sort of thing. That's totally different and unknown to me because I never achieved that level of fame, but just being where I was and where I am, having people want to talk about stuff. I, I will always, and by the way, Keith and I did do an episode of diagnosis murder to get murder. I think it was diagnosis murder. I did. did not know that. Yeah. 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 Uh, years ago. I don't know if you'd remember. Wow. But yeah. Um, so yeah, we did work together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it a lot. And I think it's, I'm honored that people want to talk to me about things or as I told you that some piece of work that I was a part of brought them joy or had an impact on them in some way. That's a great thing to be able to say. And it's yeah. a nice thing to be able to feel. So feel free, come over. If you don't want an autograph, that's totally cool. You want to talk about something, just come on over. I have no issues there's, with that one. There's a, there's a grittiness and a New York attitude to Vinny that Rhode Island has, which is why you're a perfect fit for this. So Mitch, <laughs> I love Mitch, that. Mitchell, thank you for over an hour. You've been so kind to me and I will stop and say hello. And um, thank you for all of this. Like, like, like thanks and, and thanks for having a profound impact seriously on my life and, and growing up and, and being a big part of you know because i was raised just i just love movies and tv and you're a big part of that so thank you oh thanks derek i appreciate it i'm looking forward to seeing you in like what is it like uh less than almost like a week a little over a week right a week away week to, i week will see you to, soon man yeah. thank you for listening to derek thomas and monday morning critic podcast if you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. 
All episodes available www.mmcpodcast.com.